Welcome to California Now, a podcast produced by Visit California. I'm Soterius Johnson. This episode, we'll talk with Chef Curtis Stone about his new series, Field Trip, which filmed an episode in Mendocino and Sonoma County wine country. For us to show up with our crew right in the middle of harvest was not ideal for them, but amazing for us because we got to see that whole process of picking. It's very intense. And we'll talk about some of the best places for families to hit the trail with the author of 50 Hikes with Kids, California. We'll also go on a Southern California taco tour that includes everything from hole-in-the-wall joints in L.A. to a Michelin star taco temple in Costa Mesa. I go and I always buy extra containers of their salsa and drink it because their salsa is so good. It's fresh. You just taste fresh tomatoes and onions so much. Oh, it's amazing. My cousins and I all drink it like shots. That's all coming up on California Now. Cuisine comes from a culture, its characters, the attitudes, it's the soul of a place. As I look to reinvent the menu for my flagship restaurant in Beverly Hills Mall, I'm going on a journey that'll take me and some of the team around the world to experience the food, wine and history in some of the world's most fascinating regions. That's my next guest, Chef Curtis Stone, previewing his latest TV series on PBS called Field Trip. Curtis recently embarked on a tour through Sonoma and Mendocino wine country for an episode of Field Trip, and he's going to tell us about that experience today. Welcome back to California Now, Curtis. Thanks so much. Nice to be here. Well, you know, I feel like I should start by congratulating you since the last time we spoke, uh, your restaurant, Maud, earned a Michelin star. What does that recognition mean to you and your team? You know what? It's um, it's a funny feeling. I remember when we first found out that the Michelin Guide was coming back to uh, California because they were here at one point and then they had a, um, a pretty uh, decent hiatus. I think they were gone for close to a decade there. Um, so when we found out they were coming back, we, we as a restaurant got extremely excited and um, I as an individual got very nervous because I'd spent the last uh, 20 years cooking in, in restaurants that were Michelin rated or, or, or you know, in the countries that um, they were clearly there and uh, it was always a dream of mine to win a star but then when it became real that you know you either win one or you don't um, we got quite nervous you know we making sure that our standards were um, high enough but you know we, we're very very humbled and, and grateful to, to be recognized for sure well it's very well deserved and you know what one of the things that makes Maud so special is that you're constantly changing the menu can you tell listeners about the shifting menu there yeah, well, what we do is we take um, a wine region that we, we are fond of and we go there with the wine team as well as the chefs and uh, we go and basically do a deep dive, some research and development on the cuisine, the culture, the attitudes, the music, the history, you know, you, you name it, and we kind of try and look at it. And then what we try and do is uh, develop a menu that sort of honours that wine region and, and then all of the wine pairings that go with the dishes come from the region. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's sort of the concept. So for for this episode of Field Trip, what drew you to the California coast north of San Francisco up in Sonoma and Mendocino counties? Well, I mean, you, you hear so much of Californian wine and, and justifiably, right? There's there's beautiful areas like the Central Coast and Napa and um, Sonoma 
is is probably not quite as well known as um, as Napa and uh, Mendocino. Absolutely, um, you know the, the the quiet achiever. So right. we sort of, of course, we know a lot about those areas, but we did want to go and really research and understand what made them unique and different, and why these incredible wines are coming out of out of the area. And so that was sort of the impetus for wanting to go up there. And it bridges this beautiful um, part. You know, it's 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 coastal, but it's not all on the coast. If you know what I mean, and um, Sonoma sort of has some beautiful countryside and some very interesting attitudes, and still quite you know innately Californian and hippie kind of uh, producers and growers that we we wanted to go and meet and, and understand more about. Yeah, well, I mean, and there's definitely uh, parts of the area that aren't on the water, but there are also parts that are on the water, and you did spend some time on the water itself, right? So where exactly did you go? And and what do you think impressed you most about the seafood in the area? Well, look, the seafood is it's it's incredible. Um, you know, you have so many beautiful things coming out of the ocean in and around that area. Um, we we sort of we met these ladies. They have a, a fishing um, boat called Princess, which is aptly named because everybody that works on the on the um, boat was was female, and they go out <laughs> and they they you know fish for all sorts of things. Um, but you know, catching the fish, it's a real way of life, and it, you know they have this very interesting respect of the ocean attitude you know which is again something that i think california does really well is is understand its environment and, and try and protect it and take care of it uh and so we went out with with the ladies on the princess and and we learned to fish and we got schooled in how we should be uh flaying fish and um it was pretty cool you know i think when you whenever you get to see a product like like seafood in its most natural environment, then then that's really special. You know, of course, there's uni and there's um, amazing spot prawns even up that high. So you know, you you really are finding beautiful, beautiful product that comes out of the ocean there. Now, you also visited some farms while you were there. Single Thread is both a farm and a restaurant in Healdsburg. Um, it's received the truly impressive three Michelin stars, and you spent some time both in their kitchen and uh, on their farmland as well. So so what was that like? It was amazing. I mean, Kyle, the chef there, is really just something else. When we first met with him, he, you know, very proud of his restaurant and every little detail you look at and you ask him a question about, there's this incredible story behind. And, um, you know, I think he and his wife um, have just formed this incredible partnership where she's effectively the farmer, the you know, the grower, and he's the chef, you know. So they have these very close um relationships of course and talking about ingredients and um extremely seasonal and you know he he made a comment like when they stop growing the tomatoes he purposely doesn't eat another tomato until the first tomato of the next season and you know whether it's tomato sauce on a pizza or or something that comes out of a can or a preserve he purposely doesn't because he wants to really celebrate the feeling of when you know that tomato does come back into season and I think it's a really powerful thing because as a chef you you really start developing a love of something when it does, you know, we're so spoilt with everything all the time. And um, one thing that he sort of does is take the, that growing very, very seriously. I'm sure it helps that it's his wife in the farm and, you know, the stuff that she produces, he has a love for even more. But, you know, so whether it's out in their farm where they're growing stuff or his attitude to, it's almost like a Kaiseki style menu that he produces, uh, very Japanese influenced, but 
innately Californian and that's what makes it so special. And I think that that was in some ways a very recurring theme of places that we would go to, you know, regardless of where the ideas came from or the inspiration for something came from, California was making it its own and, and that was really cool. You sort of, you sit there, you know, as a chef, I sit there thinking, oh my goodness, this is so hard to follow, you know, because I'm out trying to develop my menu. And um, <laughs> But you learn something from everywhere you go and from everyone you meet and that's sort of the cool thing about it all absolutely so, so you think the that the three stars are justified totally he deserves every <laughs> single one <laughs> did you bond with kyle and katina about keeping things local and really letting the ingredients shine on the plate absolutely i mean kyle's such an inspiration in the kitchen and and it's it's rare that you meet somebody that you know, normally when you when you meet someone that's achieved three stars, they sort of they started twenty years ago, and then they won their first star ten years ago, and then a few years later they're recognised with the second, and then the third one comes, you know, a long way down the track, and it's it's literally a life's work. And I feel like what Kyle and, and Katina had done was really map out their dream, you know, and I think that that's a really interesting. Um, attitude to have you know and, and he'd sort of gone and worked in a variety of different places and worked in japan and this isn't a restaurant that's a slow evolution you know this is a restaurant that was purpose built for this purpose you know to really stand out and do things differently and to um, just be refined beyond belief and the flavors in the food and the the execution all of the little mindful details that go along with the the dining room he had silk screens that had the dna of different vegetables weaved through these silk screens and they you know like no matter what it was that you pointed to or asked about there was this incredible story about it that's amazing what else did you experience up in wine country i mean i'm sure you had to sample some of the local grape juice i'm guessing we sure did we went to um an incredible um winery called Litterai, uh, and it's a biodynamic, um, well, I don't think they're certified biodynamic, but they practice biodynamic um, uh, practices. So uh, very, very interesting um, way of growing grapes and a very, you know, it's, it's like organic on steroids is, <laughs> is probably my amateur description of what biodynamic you know, farming practices means. It's, it's all about composting and it's, uh, it's about, you know, working within lunar cycles and it, it's very complex and very hard to sort of every time someone explains it to me i stand there with my mouth slightly open <laughs> you know not in my head but not necessarily taking it all in but you know i i think what you need to know is it's it's an incredible way of farming and, and growing and respecting the earth and um you know we were lucky enough to be in sonoma during during harvest and you know for for a winemaker it's an extremely important time you know i think if you if you think about it they've got different grapes um that are growing you know under different conditions even though they're, they're within the same area you know you might have one side of a hill that gets a little more morning sun and another one that gets a little more afternoon sun and that will cause the grapes to behave slightly differently so right. you might want to pick the east side of a block in the you know and and then the west side you might not pick it for for four or five days after so the winemakers are you know they're out there testing the bome or the the, the sugar levels in the grapes and they're tasting things and making decisions as to when to pick so for for us to show up with our crew right in the middle of harvest was not, you know, ideal for them, but amazing for us because we got <laughs> yeah. to see that whole process of picking. We also got to see um, 
the the attitude that they have you know during harvest it's very intense and it's very you know that they're actually the winemaker at literai said to me if i'm a successful winemaker i might get to do 30 or 40 vintages and you know for a chef that would mean you get to make 30 or 40 recipes in your life and <laughs> of course our chefs we do that in a month so right. <laughs> you know very very important time and it goes to show just how um important it is for them to get it right and uh yeah we were lucky enough to to be there we all went also went to a little um vineyard called small vines and um and they do a little foot stomping with their grapes so ben our wine director and i got up in a tub and we we did a little foot stomping so (laughs) i was even amazed that that even still happens but i guess um as a control they do stomp just a small amount of the grape so you know that they want to get a little bit more skin contact or, or or um develop the tannins in a certain way so yeah we got to partake in that as well which was amazing you know, Literai is known for their Pinot Noir, right? So did learning about the whole process that they go through make you enjoy it that much more? It really did. I mean, I'd, I'd tried Literai's wine many times, and I don't profess to be um, the expert in, in-house. We've got sommeliers that do an incredible job of that. But yeah, I think really understanding where the wine comes from and how much care goes into it. And when you see such a natural display of, of farming happening, you know, then it, it really does give you um, a a beautiful feeling about trying those wines, you know, and there, there at Literai, actually, we were, we were lucky enough, there was a thing called a punch down happening on, which almost sounds like a, an illegal fight. But <laughs> what they do is they, they press the fruit, they put it all in these stainless steel vats. And then of course, all of the skins and any, any of the, uh, the seeds will sort of rise to the top of the, um, the barrel and you have to punch that back down into the, into the big vat. So they asked me if I'd like to do it. And I of course jumped at the chance because the <laughs> fermentation is starting to happen. Uh, but then they explained to me that I'd need to be on a harness and up on this plank of wood, pushing, pushing those grapes um, to the bottom of the tank. And let me tell you, it is really hard work. You know, you, <laughs> I think we think of winemaking as this beautiful romantic thing that a winemaker does and it's all very sophisticated and, and very easy, but there's a lot of hard work and you know it's agriculture at its very core and, and um, yeah, just being reminded of that is awesome. Yeah, it's not just all kind of like artwork or, you know, it's, it's science and it's physically challenging too. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, it's it's so great hearing about your trip, Curtis. I can't wait to see the Mendocino-Sonoma uh, episode that's coming up. What advice do you have for listeners considering a trip to the area? Oh, look, there's just so much to explore up there. It, it really is. It doesn't feel um, like it's been affected by mass tourism, which is amazing. I love that. Whenever I travel anywhere in the world, I'm always looking for a really authentic, um, you know, place to go and find. And, you know, we stayed at a hotel um, called the Fairmont, which was really great. And, you know, there's sort of, I think the whole region embodies the the, the fact that there's a ton of incredible wine tastings to do. Um, there's so much to go and explore and find. There's amazing Mexican food, believe it or not. And that's <laughs> one of the best things about being up there is, um, you know, whether it's, it's uh, you know, the beautiful Mexican restaurants that you can find and literally just walk up to, or whether you want to go and eat in, you know, beautiful fine dining restaurants restaurants like the um, single thread that we were talking about, you right. know, and, and even just around that area in Heidelsburg, there's all sorts of beautiful places to go and eat. So I think take your time. If you think you're going to give yourself a few days, double it and give yourself five or six because there's there's beautiful shopping. The, the wine country is just magnificent and the food's phenomenal as well. 
Well, Curtis, it's always uh, such a pleasure to have you on California Now. Thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. It's been really fun. Chef Curtis Stone hosts the PBS series Field Trip and oversees two critically acclaimed restaurants in Los Angeles. His website is curtisstone.com, and he's on both Twitter and Instagram at Curtis Stone. We'll have links to all the places we discussed today on our website, visitcalifornia.com slash podcast. This is California Now. California has thousands of hiking trails to choose from, and my next guest is an expert at identifying and hacking the best hiking trails for kids. Wendy Gorton is the author of 50 Hikes with Kids California, a great book for parents or grandparents that tells readers where to go and what to do when they're on the trails. Welcome to California Now, Wendy. Thanks, Soterius. Thanks for having me. So excited to share this today. Very happy to, to have you on and to talk to you about this stuff. I mean, let's jump right in and talk about 50 Hikes for Kids California. What, what do you think makes California such a great place to go hiking with kids? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, you put your finger, if you close your eyes and put your finger anywhere on the map, I just did this weekend uh, leading a hike with kids <laughs> up in San Francisco. We closed our eyes and we put our fingers somewhere and I had them open up. And I said, what does that look like? It's green. Oh, my goodness. It's high. We're in the mountains. And then we close our eyes and do it again. We're in a river. Close your eyes and do it again. <laughs> We're at the coast. So it's just such a diverse and magical place, you know, 160,000 square miles. And if you go two hours, it's completely different. So it's just one of the most um, biologically diverse, geographically diverse. Uh, and it's super accessible to other things you might be visiting. You hop on a highway, uh, take the open road and you know, you might be visiting some of uh, California's greatest features that you can go see. So many easy ways to also squeeze a hike in while you're at it to see some of the, the magic around you. You know, one fun element that you include with these hikes is, is scavenger hunts like plants and animals and geologic features that kids can look for during each hike. Tell us why that's a great way to get kids excited about hiking. And most hiking guides you'll find uh, in the narrative, it'll say to look for things, but we wanted to turn that on its head a little bit and make it really pull out the things that they might find. So I worked with rangers um, for from each of the parks to identify what might be the most common items that they'd find. And then we have a big juicy picture of each one in different seasons. And so some of those might be plants, um, some of them might be anim actual animals or their tracks or even just their sounds. And then those are all displayed um, kind of side by side, five different visual items that they can look for while they're on the trail. And if they don't find them, we hope that they think about why they didn't, maybe come back and visit. Um, but really, it's meant to be an item to, to read before they come or maybe pop it open during lunchtime and be like, ah, oh, did we hear that? Um, you know, did we hear the pika and the rock? No, let's stop for a few more minutes and maybe listen carefully, see if we can't find that pika. And I find that kids are really motivated to actually stop and try to find that. And then it's a good kind of nature life lessons after to be like, oh, we only got two out of five. It's kind of like Pokemon and catching them all that they're motivated to come back and do that. You organize your book around eight geographical regions, and I'd really love to talk to you about a few of them. I was thinking we'd start with the desert. Uh, what would you want first-timers to know if they're thinking about a desert hike with young ones? Oh, man. One, definitely go. It's so weird and wild and fun. And if you're planning a trip to California, it just has to be on your list to drive through at least and stop. And I hope hiking, if you are planning a road trip, is such a great way to stop and do some of these one mile, two miles just to get a 
taste of the region, even if you're, you know, blowing through to Los Angeles. Uh, and we wrote the book to really mirror um, the Pacific Crest Trail and like going up from the very bottom of the state, making your way all the way up through. And the language is really thinking of um, kids following the highways that take you all the way up north. So the book begins right smack in the desert. And uh, when you're preparing to go out to the desert, um, you know, obviously looking at, um, we call it an adventure bag and, and co-planning your bag with your family, you know, and thinking what are those great snacks that your um, family needs, your first aid kit, plenty of water in your trunk, um, you know, making sure you look at that map route before you head out, you know, planning your gas. Um, what's really great about the desert hikes that I've chosen, they are all really close to hubs nearby, right off highways, no gnarly driving roads that you're going to have to to get there. I had a really cool talk with, there's a gal named Liz Thomas. She's a does the PCT um, for speed hiking. She's wonderful. And she talks about gauges on your body. And like as a speed hiker, you think about, oh, my thirst gauge, my heat gauge, my tired gauge. And so I talk about that when I lead hikes um, with organizations with families. We stop before and we say, you know, what are your gauges? You know, what do you feel right now with your energy level, one through 10? And kids are really responsive that way. They'll tell you, man, I'm a five right now. And so that's your cue as a parent. Let's find shade. Let's take a half hour. Let's hang out. So I really encourage, especially before the desert, um, doing that as well and just starting to have that language with your kids of understanding their body, understanding limits, um, and doing that while you're preparing and, and out in the desert for sure. Yeah, it's a, it's a great learning opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the, the 50 hikes in the book is called Hear the Boom at Kelso Dunes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a two and a half mile hike south of Baker. What's great about it? Oh, man. Well, one, if you, whenever you shoot from Los Angeles to Vegas or Vegas and back, we've all done it. My college days, <laughs> done that drive about 20 times in my life. But, you know, only about five years ago did I ever go explore Mojave. And the Mojave National Preserve is just this magical gem. You know, you're coming off the highway, you wouldn't even expect it. But on your way there, even, you've got, I saw this last time we went, two desert tortoise crossings on the highway. We stopped, we watched, magical. Um, You get out of your car, and it's really just a short half mile before the dune starts. Once you get there, it's really fun to trudge up. You Great um, cheat grasses coming out. You're looking for lizards coming out of the sand um, and feeling what, what's happening with the, with the sand itself. The coolest part is what's known as this really crazy scientific phenomenon called the booming dunes. Um, They're not entirely sure. I've, I've asked the rangers out there. They're not entirely sure what causes it. But as you're walking, and only a few dunes in the world create this, um, you hear this booming sound as it's falling down the sand. So it's super fun to try to create it, making sand angels. It's just such a neat environment we, we aren't normally in. Um, and then you also get this added benefit of being at the top of the dune when you're done. You really feel like you're a million miles away from Los Angeles or Vegas. Uh, super fun hike, super accessible, um, and you can really take it as far as you want. As you're on the dune, if you get tired, you turn around and you come back down for sure. But um, I'm a big Mojave fan and encourage families to go explore. That sounds really great. Um, another one is called Squeeze Through the Slot down in Anza Borrego Desert State Park, which features some really beautiful rock formations. Can you kind of describe that hike for us? 
Oh, yeah, man, it's such a wonderland. We don't have a ton of these slot canyons in California. And so as you're planning a trip and coming through, um, it's a few hours outside of L.A., but so, so worth it, especially if you're making other stops or doing the L.A. to San Diego run. You got to head east and stop at Anza Borrego. Um, Once you get there, it's really it's fun adventure light. Again, you're actually canyoneering and it's an accessible canyoneering in that you really just park. It's just a couple miles off the highway. You park and then you just descend down into this super narrow canyon. And I love at the end, you can, you know, stop through. There's yummy, yummy places at the end of each hike. So I always encourage that as well as to stop and explore some of these neat little towns that are nearby um, and go into their local diner. And I, I note that for each uh, hike, a place to go, we call it treating yourself afterwards. Um, and it's one of my favorite parts, even as an adult of hiking is when I go explore a new city or a new place, um, I go get a hard-earned treat or reward. So that's two reasons why I love Anza Borrego for sure. All right, let's go next to Central California and the Sierra. You titled one item there, Cross the Footbridge Over the San Joaquin River. Uh, It's a two-mile hike northeast of Fresno. What sticks out about that area? You know, this is really great. Uh, The Central Valley is such a key component in between understanding um, the entire geologic diversity of California. So going on this one in the gateway um, to the Sierras and to Yosemite, so many families come and visit, come through Fresno. I really encourage before you head up there to stop and understand how the San Joaquin River, the third largest river in California, how that runs through and is the lifeblood really of California. Um, And to do that, this hike is so wonderful and that you work your way down, not too far down. All of our hikes are under a thousand feet elevation, so you're not going to get too pooped. But you work your way down through this Oakland savanna, looking for quails uh, and stopping at the main point of the hike, which there's always some sort of nice carrot, some sort of interesting feature. And here in this case, it's a really sweet suspension bridge, which kids cannot get enough of. Go on the suspension bridge, look up that river. They can even see an old 1920s powerhouse. Again, asking those questions, how does water make power? Uh, You know, how is this connected? Where do we get our water? All these questions just happen when you're outside. And I really encourage um, this as a fun hike because it's got the history, because it's got cool flora and fauna, um, and because of that rushing river and the bridge, for sure. When you're done, you can stop at really cute Awberry on your way out, get a really monster cookie at Creekside Carryout, um, and just explore a little small town of California, which is half the fun of California. You know, it's we've got our big, beautiful cities we love, like L.A., Fresno, San Francisco, Sacramento. But it's the awe berries out there is what you really see where California came from. Uh, and I, it's really 50 percent of the fun for me, too, is stopping and exploring those little towns. That sounds fantastic. Well, let's hit one more. What about California's north coast? What does that part of California have to offer families? Oh, my goodness. The redwoods are just so immense, so magical. And it's really just this unique place on Earth, right? There's just not this uh, that many locations that can foster these crazy redwoods. Um, and it's also just this cluster of um, state parks, national parks. It's just the, the freeway that runs on down from Crescent City. You're really just experiencing uh, a theme park almost of, <laughs> of national parks, visitor centers, um, great places to eat all along the way. So, of course, it was really hard to choose from 50 hikes <laughs> um, from everything that's available. So we really plucked just a few from each region. And, and for here in the Redwoods, we plucked just a few. But this taster, uh, you really cannot beat it. I mean, anyone 
If anyone says they don't enjoy hiking, if you go out into Fern Canyon, you come right off the highway. It's a kind of an adventurous road that goes down to Gold Bluffs Beach. Immediately, even before you hike, talking to your kids about, did you know that they found gold in the sand? What would you do if you found gold in the sand? <laughs> it ended up not being feasible for uh, mining, so that's why it's called Bluffs. Right. But even from there, um, you can camp there when you're done. And uh, all of the hikes, if there is camping within five miles or so, we put that in there too. So as you're planning your trip um, to include campgrounds as well as hotels into your into your road trip, because they're all so beautiful. Gold Bluffs Campground is one of the most beautiful places you can camp in the state. Um, and this is all before you even get into Fern Canyon. The walls are 50 feet high. It's just this narrow, lush green canyon. And you're, um, you know, it's not all just trail. You're kind of bouldering up a couple little rocks or stream coming through. Um, you're looking at what's under things, what's over things. Um, so it's definitely not just the walk you're doing. Your 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 kids are really leading the way um, through this magical canyon and, and coming back out. So um, one of Redwood's treasures and uh, one I highly recommend. Yeah, yeah. I've seen photographs of Fern Canyon and it is amazing. It's otherworldly. It's like you're mm-hmm. walking. You mentioned these these tall canyon walls that are what 50 feet tall and and the fact that they filmed a jurassic park movie there i can only you know i'm sure kids could just imagine you know seeing a dinosaur walk by (laughs) you know it's just like it kind of fires up the imagination (laughs) yeah (laughs) totally and i encourage families too to do that and encourage play like why not reshoot the scene of of jurassic park coming down uh, there someone be the dinosaur someone be the filmmaker um and so i encourage uh, outdoors to be that kind of playground and um, for parents to to help be that catalyst to um, to encourage that curiosity and play and wonder out in the trail. Absolutely. Um, is there anything else you want to make sure that parents or grandparents or anyone with a kid in their life should know when planning to hit the trails in California? Yeah, you know, one is just do it, you know, grab a map. If it's not this book, go online, find things, make sure that you're getting outside of your car and and experiencing that. Because if you come to California and don't, you're really just missing what is so magical about this state. Um, And I also encourage you all to to be naturalists. Uh, At the back of the book, I have a cool plant identification chart that can just help uh, families be able to start thinking about that and, and identifying some of the beautiful wildflowers if you're coming out for California's wonderful uh, wildflower season. Start being that naturalist um, with your family. And you can use cool apps. We talk about iNaturalist out of California Academy of the Sciences. A lot of folks leave their phone in the car or want to get, escape nature, but I encourage um, to at least, you know, use mapping, use your photographs um, sparingly while you're on the trail to enhance the adventure. And something like that can help you click a picture of a wildflower and identify it using a cool app like that. So I really hope that parents get out there, uh, start engaging their kids on the trail, and of course, um, start becoming these family naturalists to appreciate all the plants around us. Well, this has been really great, Wendy. Thank you so much for joining us on California Now. Thanks for having me. Wendy Gorton is the author of 50 Hikes with Kids California, available on Amazon and other booksellers. You can find her on Twitter at Wendy Gorton. As always, we'll have links and more info on our website, visitcalifornia.com slash podcast. This is California Now.
As you may already know, California offers road trippers limitless possibilities, whether you love the outdoors or art or shopping or architecture or you name it. My next guest decided to embark on a road trip organized around a very specific theme, tacos. Courtney O'Dell is a self-described travel-obsessed foodie who writes the popular Sweet Seas Designs blog. More than 90,000 people follow her on Instagram, and we're happy to have her join us today. Welcome to California Now, Courtney. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. So by our count, you sampled tacos at 16 different places across five days. Is that right? That is correct. My jeans are a little tight fitting right now. Um, <laughs> still a little full from all of the food, but it was amazing. It is such a great way to take in all of the different neighborhoods that Southern California has to offer and try so many different takes on a taco. Well, we'll put it into perspective for us a little bit. Any guesses to how many tacos you actually tried along the way? We started counting and lost count after 30. So <laughs> okay. we had a lot. We we sampled. There was one restaurant that I think we had 15 just in that restaurant. So Oh, my gosh. It actually was a lot of hard work. There was so much food. California just has the <laughs> best food. And going down the coast, there's so many options. I, I can't make a decision to save my life. And there were literally days that I ordered everything on a menu. And I was like, wait, uh, it's just my husband and I. How am I going to eat all this? But I need to taste it all. And it was just wonderful. It's one of the best ways to really see California. No, it's great that you brought your husband along because then you could also get like his perspective on things too, right? So, and it's what a, what a great way to spend some time. It was a wonderful way to spend time together because my husband and I have a lot of similar foods that we like to eat, but we also like a lot of different things. So it was neat to see what he really liked, what I liked, to order different things that we wouldn't necessarily order for ourselves and try something different. And it was cool to just focus on one thing, eating really good tacos, to kind of travel our way down the coast. So before we dive into the the many different places you visited, what what kind of like high-level perspective did you get on the taco scene in Southern California? There is nothing like what California offers in the form of tacos. And I know that's such a silly thing to say, but you have so many different cuisines that all come together in one small area. And when you think about it, like LA and San Diego are not really that far apart. They're pretty close together, but they're worlds apart when you think of all of the different towns in between LA and San Diego and all of the different cuisines that are there. There is obviously a very vibrant Mexican-inspired taco presence, but you also have lots of really new things. We tried almost like Lebanese-style tacos. We tried some very Asian-inspired tacos. We tried very American-style tacos. There are so many different things in such a small area, and that's one of the reasons that California is one of the best places to go and taste so many different takes on different cultures and different takes on something so simple like a taco. Well, let's start out in L.A. You grew up in L.A., right? Yeah, I actually grew up um, in Moore Park in the Valley and in Santa Monica. Okay, so did you already know some of these places beforehand, the places that you visited? Yeah, actually, um, our first stop on Alvarez Street, Cielita Lindo, I used to go to with my grandma when I was a little kid. Uh, you can go and visit the museum there on Alvarez Street and learn about early life in Los Angeles. And you can also get amazing knockout, super crunchy taquitos. We used to go there all the time for their taquitos. They're covered in this really, really cooling, creamy avocado sauce on the top. It's so good. and. 
it was really special for me to go back and taste these taquitos that still taste exactly the same as they did when I was growing up in L.A. We probably don't have time to ask you about all of the tacos that you tried, but but looking at your itinerary from north to south, can you kind of call out a few of the highlights? Like what's what's another good spot or two in the L.A. area? Definitely. Um, in Los Angeles, Marisco's Jalisco, which is a food truck, it's actually just a food truck in not the most popular part of town. It has the most unreal shrimp and potato tacos. They actually stuff the tortilla full of shrimp and potato, which if you haven't had a shrimp and potato taco, it sounds like it might be kind of a mismatch, but Mm. it is life changing. (laughs) Oh, really? They stuff the shrimp and the potato inside the taco and deep fry it all together. So and then they take it out of the deep fryer, top it in a watery, tangy, delicious, fresh salsa, and then slap some avocado slices on the side. So you got this incredibly crunchy taco. It literally was crunchy to the very last bite, even though it was sitting in like a soupy salsa. It was just unreal. It was amazing. It was so good. And it's really cheap. It's quick. It's the best. Mm. Okay, that one's going on my list. Um, (laughs) What's another spot in L.A.? or the L.A. area? I cannot visit L.A. without stopping at Tito's Tacos. So when I saw that Tito's was on the list, I was ready to go. Um, My husband and I got there right when they opened. They open early. You can call in your order. Tito's in Culver City is just legendary for me and for my family. We love Tito's so much. I go and I always buy extra containers of their salsa and drink it because their salsa is so good. It's really watery. (laughs) It's fresh. You just taste fresh tomatoes and onions so much. Oh, it's amazing. My cousins and I all drink it like shots. We just love their salsa so much. Um, That is hilarious. It's so funny, but their salsa is so good. They come with chips and salsa on the side of the tacos. And I'm always like, no, 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 but I need like a lot more. You need to sell me more. And they always kind of laugh at me. (laughs) But I swear that stuff is gold. That sounds amazing. Uh, What about Orange County? Did you go to Taco Maria, uh, the Costa Mesa restaurant that earned a Michelin star? We did. Taco Maria was one of the highlights of the trip for sure. I've spent a lot of time in Costa Mesa. I love every time we get to visit Orange County. And you might not think of Orange County as one of the up-and-coming food spots, but you should. Orange County has so many delicious restaurants, and Taco Maria at the Mix just blew our minds. What does a taco restaurant that has a Michelin star, what does it do that takes it to that level? The flavors that we had in these tacos were insane. So all of the tortillas at Taco Maria are pretty much the same. They're a, it's a little bit thick. It's a blue corn tortilla, and every taco starts on that, which was kind of neat because we were able to compare the different flavors. Then we had a black cod taco. We had a vegetable taco. We had a pork belly taco. They just blew our minds. Um, The flavors that you had with them just weren't necessarily things that I would think of. The uh, Tocino tacos with pork were topped with like a pear slaw that cut through the really fattiness of the pork and brought this like bright, sweet mix to it that helped you get through. So it didn't seem overwhelming. Um, We had a chicken mole taco that had really, really beautiful mole sauce. I could have had like, I could have ordered the sauce on the side and just drank it with a straw. It was so good. 
the vegetarian tacos with a mushroom chorizo. It was such an interesting flavor. It tasted like meat. I knew it was a mushroom chorizo, but just there was a, a there was a meaty bite to the taco that if you were vegetarian, if you're vegan, you were able to get that really hearty filling bite into your taco and it really tasted meaty. And the black cod tacos, it was a simple fried piece of black cod that stayed crispy through the whole taco. It had grapes and cabbage and a scallion aioli. It was so beautiful. My husband in the middle of it stopped taking a bite and said that it was transcendent. And he kept saying it over and over. The black cod taco at Taco Maria was just one of our absolute favorite bites of the trip. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, Anywhere else in the OC that stood out? We went to Playa Mesa for dinner and had a sampling of their tacos, and it was unreal. They had great cocktails. The vibe was great. There were a lot of people that were coming in to listen to music and hang out after work. All of their tacos were great, but I'm actually going to recommend a dessert at Playa Mesa and Costa Mesa. Chef had a tasting flight of paletas for us, which are little lollipops. He actually mixed gelatin into the lollipops so they don't melt as quickly. So they were sitting on our table and we got to sample them. And it took about 10, 15 minutes for them to melt so we could really like work slowly on them. It was the greatest way to finish a meal. They were light and sweet, but not too sweet. It went with tacos perfectly. We were beyond stuffed. And when he brought it out, we were a little scared. Like, oh, we can't eat even a drop more. But it was the perfect way to end a meal. It was it was nice, sweet, crisp, everything you wanted in just a really unique popsicle. That sounds amazing. All right, let's talk San Diego County now. Were there any standouts there that you must recommend? You have to that you tell people you have to try this place when you're there. Definitely, there were two. So first, we stopped in Oceanside, and in Oceanside, we went to local tap house, which is not specifically a taco spot. But on their appetizer menu, they have calamari tacos. And their calamari tacos are sliced. It's a long strip of calamari. So it's not calamari like the appetizer that you're thinking, but it's fried in the same way. So when you bite in, there's a ton of slaw on top. It's a crispy taco with fried calamari in it. It was amazing. It's wonderful. It's right near the Oceanside Pier. You can explore through Oceanside, get a little bit more of a laid back surf vibe, and then hit the road down to San Diego, where you can take in all of the tacos at Puesto. I loved Puesto. I could eat all of their tacos all day long. We sampled 10, I believe, of their tacos. It was just, their tacos were amazing. Puesto was just an out-of-the-ballpark home run from start to finish for us. What, What do you think it is that made the tacos at Puesto so great? I think that they were really creative with their tacos, so they put a lot of fresh spins, some similar to what we had at Taco Maria. They have the same tortilla for everything. It was a much thinner but still blue corn tortilla. And then the way that they plated everything was so artistic and creative. They made sure that they really balanced, you know, you always had something crunchy, you always had something crisp, something cooling, something creamy. They just really, really played with their flavors and textures in a way that made you want to keep eating. Well, Courtney, this has been so great. You've got me craving tacos right now, um, but I'm still going to thank you for joining us on California Now. Thank you so much. It's been a blast. Courtney O'Dell writes the Sweet Seas Creative Lifestyle blog, which you can find at SweetCSDesigns.com. 
You can also follow her on Twitter and Instagram at SweetCSDesigns. And for a sampling of where Courtney's inspiration came from, head on over to our Road Trips hub at visitcalifornia.com slash roadtrips and check out the Southern California Taco Tour. Thanks for listening to California Now. This podcast is produced by Visit California. I'm your host, Satirius Johnson. You can find our show on iTunes and Stitcher. Please subscribe. And you can plan your next visit and maybe find a few tasty taco places to check out at visitcalifornia.com slash roadtrips. <laughs> <laughs>